All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Colin and Samir Show. And I say edition because it feels different. We just put out our Mr. Beast Burger documentary, which we've been talking about on the show for a long time. And we're here to reflect on the experience of making that piece. I highly urge all of you, if you have not seen it, go watch it and mm-hmm. then listen to this conversation because in this episode, we have Chris Schwar, who works for us and also edited the Mr. Beast Burger piece. And it's way more enjoyable if you've watched the piece. And to everyone who has already watched the piece, we really appreciate all the support. I know last week we talked about, you know, you guys showing up on Sunday and, and sharing and commenting and engaging with the piece. And you guys really, really showed up. Um, so I just want to say that at the top of the show, thank you everyone who's talking about it in our subreddit, who has shared it, who has commented, liked. Uh, it's been a really amazing experience to release this piece. And we feel like releasing it into this community is just like, we, it was so special for us. So if you haven't watched it yet, definitely go check it out. If you have watched it, then sink in. We're about to talk for a while about this, the making of this piece. And the conversation gets deep. We kind of get into our identity. Sure. Self-worth. Yeah. Talk about some BTS, things that didn't make All it. All right, let's just get into it. Colin. Okay, here we go. All right, so it's been exactly 24 hours since we were sitting together in the office and staring at an export progress bar yep. <laughs> to get the video out. Mm-hmm. But now it's been 24 hours since the video has been out and two months since we started working on this video. I'm sitting here not only with Colin, but with Chris Schwar. Hi. Infamous Chris Schwar. <laughs> A lot of comments shouting out Chris Schwar. Yeah, yeah um, more than expected. Which so, was really nice. Which was really, yeah, was really nice. Yeah. So if people don't know who you are, Chris, who are you? Uh, Chris Schwar. Yep. Uh, I am in, that's two A's. (laughs) I'm an editor and sort of just general creative here at Colin and Samir. I've been working with you guys for two years, two and a half years now, but uh, I moved out to California and have been working full time Mm -hmm. in the office with you guys for just over a year now. How did you first find out about us? Yeah, I found your guys' channel uh, years ago, I was a fan before I was an employee of any kind fan for several years. I found you guys, I think from your beam video, uh, you were at about 17,000 subscribers and I was hooked immediately, became a huge fan, watched pretty religiously. You guys were probably my favorite channel for for several years Wow! and became a part of your community. We can film fest, all of that. And then found myself working for you. That's crazy. At that time, I remember putting out that Beam video. I mean, it was obviously very much for the community that deeply cared about the world of Casey Neistat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that also intersected with a a community of people, a a smaller subset of that group who was capable of storytelling and interested in storytelling and wanted to to do something like that on YouTube, Mm. which is really cool that that attracted. That video was so meaningful to us in terms of how much it unlocked like that video is the reason we went on our road trip with Jack Coyne, yeah. which was kind of the entrance into a, a new version of storytelling for us, which then like all these bricks have led us to this point today, which is putting out, you know, this 40 minute documentary about our experience with the arguably the most popular person on the internet. Yeah. Um, which is so interesting to hear your perspective on that time, because as creators, I think we put out work and it feels so much like an isolated experience of that piece of content, not like a brick in your career that's actually laying a foundation. You can only see that obviously in retrospect. In retrospect. retrospect. And even I think during the process of making this piece, 
there was a few times where we talked and you were talking about how even this past year being here in our office has kind of led to this certain experience of making something yeah, like absolutely. this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that this piece for, for me and for us as a team has really been the culmination of the last year, the last several yep. years of on your guys' side, it's storytelling, interviews, relationship building. Right. And then for me, it was more on the, you know, building up skills, building up reps over the last year of storytelling and editing and all of that to then be able to create this mm -hmm. and to be able to make something like this together, I think was yeah. really special. So let's talk about how this even happened or why we made this piece. Cause it's an interesting story. We, us and Jimmy have this kind of like bit and funny joke that we've made probably three or four videos with him and they always are our number one video. Like it's always been the most notable is our two hour interview with Jimmy that has over 13 million views, which was actually funnily the first video I worked on after I moved here. Oh, right. That was the first That's piece right. yep. last September. Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy, when we were getting close to a million subscribers, we started talking to Jimmy and he was like, it's probably time for our annual video together. Uh, and we were trying to figure out what to do. So we wanted to actually go out to Greenville, North Carolina and spend 24 hours with him in his new space and just see what his life is like now. And the night before we left for that trip, Colin tested positive for COVID. Everything was booked. Everything, everything was, was planned. planned. I mean, yeah. yep. And that wasn't the only thing we were doing on that yeah, trip. We had other, I mean, we had yeah. obligations with brands in New York. Yep. That was, I mean- it was chaos in a way yeah. to test the night before, be positive and have to just yeah. deal with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think, was it you, Chris, who said, or someone? It was Braxton and then I shared it with you guys. It was such a, a blessing in disguise blessing. that you guys, that that trip got canceled because yeah. it, it then led to this moment later. Yeah, so basically over the next few weeks, myself, Jimmy, and, and his producer, Steele, were talking about rescheduling a 24 hours with. Like, when, when can we do it? When can we do it? And Jimmy calls me three days before the Mr. Beastburger opening. And in a very short conversation is, what do you think about just coming out to the Beastburger opening? Like, I think you guys should be there. And he said, I'll let you just film anything, whatever you guys want. Just film with me. And- And I remember you bringing this to the office. Yeah. And well, I had on the phone- I just said, perfect, we'll be there. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then I brought it and I was like, so what does everyone think about yeah, this? Yeah, right, because it was, it was very much like, a, okay, we got to decide as a yeah. team if, if this is a good idea mm -hmm. or not. And it was a high stress time. Yeah. We had a lot of work that we were trying to catch up on from our break and just hadn't been kind of in a good groove yet as a yeah. team. Uh, since we had come back from our summer break. Also, collective trust in your and my ability, Samir, to film anything on our own right. was, was not low. high. It, it was, was at an all-time low. It was at I an all-time low because, you know, although we used to shoot docs and hold cameras a lot, it's been a while and, you know. We didn't have a team lot, is much we better have than a we lot are. of confidence in <laughs> your guys' ability to shoot well. Yeah, which we understood. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, that's, that's true. We're going to go film this. It may not be perfect, yeah, but but we're gonna go film it. There certainly felt like there was an element, though, from Jimmy in your in the way that you described it to us, Samir, of like, even if you guys aren't filming, or even if yeah. this isn't a piece, agreed. I want you there, yep. your your presence there, which yeah. was really interesting and surprising, I think, for me to hear. Yeah, that was really cool. I think like, you know, over the last year, the thing that we've definitely been kind of gathering and investing time in is just by nature of what we do, building trust. Yeah. And it's not like a methodical, like, okay, we're, we're 
in, we're, we're doing this to, in a, in order to do the other thing. It's just like when we went out to Greenville and spent time with him or even the pieces of content that we've put out and, and collaborated with, I think the way that we approach telling his story as well as other creators stories, like we deeply care about how everyone in our industry is perceived, how the stories are told. And, and that I think has led to natural friendships of everyone caring about the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's your superpower. Both of you is yeah. your ability to connect with the people that you're talking to. And that's, I think why the last year has happened the way that it has for right. you. Also, I mean, we have a natural interest in filming creatives. If you look back mm -hmm. at the beginning of our channel, we're filming with Mary Spender when she had 50,000 subscribers, James Rath, who is a YouTube creator that's also blind. Like we we're filming with all these different people that we just had access to at the time because that's what was interesting to mm -hmm. us. And it's, it's now over the last six years gotten to the point where with Jimmy, yes, we have built this trust and he happens to be a fascinating character. Yeah. And it's pretty amazing for me that you can look back and this piece, this, this beast piece is new and is extremely different. And yet it is perfectly tied to your roots. I mean, right. it is so yeah. incredibly authentic right. to who you are and it feels really like the culmination of so much that you've been working towards. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you've been a long time listener to the show, then you know that actually in starting the Colin and Samir channel, that the effort was to figure out how to make documentaries. Yeah. Like that is, that's the most interesting part to me is that like this piece feels like the piece we've been wanting to make for so long. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, if you've been following us, then you know that if you're new, you might be like, Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But this is actually the energy. This has like, been the dream. Yeah. This has been the dream. And I think it was even, even for our internal team to kind of have questions about our ability to go film it was an interesting thing because our context is not right now that we are filmmakers yeah. in this office. Yeah. We are hosts. And we are specifically documentarians. Yeah. I mean, that is from right. the Cross network, your NBC doc. Yeah. I mean, this is you, this is who you were. Right. And this is like the thing that gets me going the most is yeah. like, oh my God, we put out like a, like a doc, like a yeah. story. I think one thing that we were just talking about earlier this morning is in publishing this video, I say video because yeah, yeah. we never referred to it in the public sphere as a documentary. I probably did on this podcast. Really? Yeah. We actually but, probably but, many times. But on in this the description, podcast. in yes. the title of the yes. video, in Agreed. any of the tweets leading up to, to it, to the scale of people who have watched it, right? No, we yeah. did not call it a documentary. Yeah. But all of the comments, all of the tweets, all of the reaction, there's been so much use of that word. And I think that's, that's very powerful mm -hmm. that we're letting other people ascribe that word yeah, totally. to this video. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty incredible. So when we, when we first, I mean, we, we, you know, kind of, again, I'd already told Jimmy we were going to be there and made that decision. And I think I might've booked flights as well before I, <laughs> before I asked everyone, but that's, that's my, I feel like that's who I am in our company mm -hmm. and just in our yeah. relationship. I mean, you've like, always been that way. You get into rooms and yeah. you say yes to things and then you come in and you say, I said yes to this. Yeah. And I'm like, we've never done that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. all right. Or he says, is it okay if we do this? Yeah, and then Colin yeah. says what, no. And Samir says, well, I already said yeah, yes to yeah. it. Or like, what, what, what do you think? I don't think I ever say no necessarily. <laughs> no, no. I am probably the one who's saying no. Yeah. Cause that is the context that like you throw the backpack over the fence, right. so to say, and then I help you go get it and bring it back. Yeah. Which and is I, amazing. I don't have a hundred percent hit rate with it, but I no. have a pretty good hit rate with, yeah. with throwing the backpack You're over the fence. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't throw the backpack. Yeah. 
So flying out, by the way, what was crazy about flying out there was I was coming from a wedding in Portland that I left early. So like there was already some that I, I always say that I think the, the hardest job I have is to be a husband and a creator at the same time. I think that's like the hardest balance because like there, there is no possible way that almost everything I want to go do as a creator directly conflicts with my, my role as a husband, which is so challenging, but you have to figure out when the sacrifices are right. And I, I turned to Katie cause I had to leave, you know, a wedding that she was a, a bridesmaid in early. Um, I had to turn to her and just be like, I believe this one is, I just have to go do this one. Like mm -hmm. I really believe in this one. And whenever it's like that conversation, she's like, okay, that's fine. Like, you know, you, you mm -hmm. if you honestly are just, this isn't just like a, you know, ah, oh, this could be good. Or yeah. I, I want to go make money somewhere. It's like, I believe in going to make this piece. I know it's important for us to go do it. Uh, and flying there, it was like multiple flights, but the whole time on the flights, I was so excited. Mm. I was just like, I was excited just to hold a camera again and be in an experience uh, and and paint an experience with, with a lens that I was holding. Like that, I haven't had that experience in years. Yeah. And mm -hmm. arriving that night, walking into the mall was, I mean, you guys see it. It's a, you know, one of the, the opening scenes but I was just standing there with my bag. I had my glasses on from the flight and I was looking around and I was like, oh my God, this is different. And instantly I knew this whole thing was going to be different. The experience was going to be different. The video we we're going to make was going to be different. Everything was different. Because we really didn't have a clear picture of what no. the video was going to, even if we would be able to make a video out of it. Yeah, yeah. We, we thought maybe we'd go experience it and then <clears throat> make a podcast afterwards. Like about talk about it. Yeah, talk about was, what the experience was Shoot like. some B-roll so we can play sure. it on top. <laughs> Yeah. What yeah. we did not anticipate was that the experience there was going to be like a hurricane. Yeah. Like seriously, a weather storm totally. where there was a calm before the storm, the hurricane hits, you're in the eye of it. Mm -hmm. And then you got to figure out what's going to happen. Which is the perfect story structure. Yeah. But what was interesting to me was arriving there and feeling again, this feeling that we on the inside of this world, we could have told everyone involved in this project, what that mall was going to look like. But there were people who worked at the mall, the security team, everything, who didn't fully understand what yeah. it was, didn't have the picture of what it was going yeah. to look like. People still don't understand when you say like, oh, a really big YouTuber is having an event. They don't understand what that means. Yeah. But like the depth of connection, the community, the fandom of this is so different from anything else. Yeah. And one of the most interesting things was going upstairs and going into the restaurant, which you had already been in, um, mm -hmm. Colin, you had already been up there, but walking into the restaurant and sitting in there while Jimmy was getting briefed on what the next day was going to be like and unbelievably adamant about making sure it was a good experience mm -hmm. for his fans. Like that to me was such a cool thing to walk into. It's 1130 in, at night and he was standing there and sitting in meetings and just like double confirming that everything was going to go well and wasn't getting a lot of, you know, assurance that, that there was going to be enough burgers, that they were going to be able to serve everyone, that, that they had enough staff, they had enough staff. Like, and so he was in problem solving mode immediately, just like, how do I make sure this happens uh, in the best way possible? And there was almost a mismatch between, again, the guy with his name on the restaurant you know, and who's, who's built, who's spent years and years and years of his life building this brand. And I think the first time that that many of his fans were going to show up to anything he did, 
So it was essentially someone commented on the video yesterday. They're like, this is kind of like beast con, mm. which it was, it was actually like the f- biggest fan meetup ever. Uh, and the first time that he was going to engage with his fans physically like that. So the amount of things that it was the first of came clear that night to me and recognizing the mismatch of like, we're opening a restaurant versus this is the first time me as this brand, Mr. Beast is going mm-hmm. to interface with my entire fan base or a massive, not entire, but my, <laughs> a massive portion of my fan base, mm-hmm. uh, which I think you and I talked immediately and we're like, oh, there's stakes now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like mean, instantly you're living in a movie and you're like, oh my God, there's stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's, that's the yeah. moment as like a filmmaker where you just think, oh man, holy shit. Yeah. Like I'm about to film something that people are going to say, I can't believe there was a camera in yeah, that room. Yeah. yeah. And, and Cole, you arrived at the mall a few hours before Samir. You were a part of some conversations that Samir was not. Was there a moment earlier before Samir got there that you knew this was going to be unique? Yeah. I mean, so I got there before Jimmy got there, actually. Mm. And so I was filming conversations with the upper level management talking to the staff. And even that was compelling and interesting because again, it felt like they were preparing for a hurricane. And I was like, oh wow. And I just got locked in from a camera operator perspective, someone who was filming. Like I was getting to that point where I'm not really actively making decisions. I'm just flowing with my camera from scene to scene. And it's the first time I felt that in maybe four years or five Mm. years back when we used to do lacrosse documentaries. So yeah, I mean, I immediately knew by the time Samir got there, I was like, this is special. Yeah. How did it feel for you both to operate those cameras again, to, to fall into that mind state of, okay, from a director's perspective, I know that this is going to be special. We realize how important this is, Mm -hmm. but then to be the ones that actually have to implement all of that. Yeah. How did it feel then to pick up the cameras and find that flow state again? Pretty seamless. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm way more comfortable in that yeah. than if I had people there who I had to tell what they should be filming. Right. Yeah. That's a disaster. If I have to, <laughs> yeah. if I have to do that. Yeah. Right. Cause I want to yeah. think intuitively yeah. Yeah. and just move to what I think is interesting. I don't want to have to ask anyone, tell anyone. I just want to go. Yes. The, the quote that I learned in film school that has never left my, my brain is, um, the camera teaches you how to see things without a camera. And I think it's like one of the most profound quotes about like being a filmmaker yeah. teaches you how to observe the world and see things through a lens of like, what's interesting. Uh, and, it teaches you how to be like an observer. And that to me was like, whenever I'm seeing things through a lens, it's so fun to like paint and observe and be like, what's interesting. Mm. And specifically the moment where I think I got into that flow state was the morning in the car with Jimmy, um, where we're riding in the black car and I was sitting with him and I was looking at the scene and I was, it was cinematic. I was watching a movie. I was like, this is, insane. Like we're, we're, I'm in this car with, you know, one of the most, just like this really interesting human being. And then when we got to the elevator, I mean, (laughs) I I think I showed Colin that clip Mm -hmm. so many times when I was in that elevator was the moment it clicked for me where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm in this, I'm making a movie. Yeah. Um, right when we got in that elevator and followed him out into the hallway, like the whole thing, I like knew what the scene was as it was happening. I knew how it was going to be cut together. Like I knew 
what was happening. And that's yeah. where it's like, okay, we need contextual B-roll. Yeah. We need stable shots of certain settings. Right. Like we need so much more yeah. than just a camera yeah. and then ju- just, on Jimmy or whatever. Yeah, when you got back, I could tell there was a moment where you shifted mm-hmm. from, okay, we don't exactly know what we're shooting to then looking through the hard drive. Suddenly, Colin, your hard drive was just full of B-roll shots. Right. And you were locked down all over the mall and there was just customers' faces right, right. and stuff in the kitchen. And I was like, oh, this is when they right. this is when they knew. Yeah. This is yeah. when they fell into it. I think there's also like there was this childlike giddiness that I hadn't felt in a really long time yeah. where Colin and I would come together during the day and show each other clips and talk about what we filmed and yeah. uh because we had to dump footage throughout the day. Yeah. So we would sit in this little Starbucks. Yeah. Uh, like around the corner from everything that was happening and just dump footage and charge batteries before we went back out. Yeah. And we would just sit and talk about what we had just filmed or what Mm. we had just seen or what the story was about. And it was like, it just brought me back to why we even started this YouTube channel. Like it was, it's that experience that was just so special. Um, and, and that's when I think we started to, to know it was something different, but you also have the, the, the mixed emotions of the overwhelm where you're in a moment. Like I remember following Jimmy out to the balcony and I was the only camera following him there uh, with that shot where like the crowd is erupting and he's looking for a microphone. And as I was going out there, there is a, there is this pressure that feels uh, really good of this is you're the only camera and this is only going to happen once. You know, where it's like, holy shit, this is it. Like, if I don't capture this moment, how, how am I going to paint this picture to anyone? Like, right. I can't. It's, it's, right. And I definitely had stress about that. But the stress actually came from when, as we were dumping footage of being like, how are we going to make this? How are we going to, mm. how does this come together? Like, can we actually explain this? Do we have enough footage to explain it? And yeah. there was times where, you know, close to the end of the day, I was like, did we film enough? Did of course. we? Did we not, did we get anything? You know, you have all those mm-hmm. questions. Yeah, it's the constant yeah. pressure of anybody documenting anything. And even, you know, when as we got on the plane to come back, there was excitement and also just like, I couldn't believe some stuff we didn't capture. Like yeah. we talk about in the piece, a huge problem is that Jimmy can't take photos with people. And that comes across in conversations between him and Reed. But I we spoke to camera a few times and I'm recognizing as I get on the plane I didn't ever explain what was going on in that room. Yeah. Like, wow, how did I miss that con- contextual piece? Yeah. Or like, I didn't go, you know, ask the chef about something. You just start immediately thinking about all the story gaps and the overwhelm of like, right. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and then you come into the office yeah. the next day, both of you come into the office the next day, I think it's Monday and you just open up your computers mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're feeling a lot of this stress right now in this moment in the office of, Oh, we didn't shoot this. We didn't shoot this, but you open your computer and you show us the elevator shot yeah. in the office. I showed that shot to so many people. And, yeah. And all of our mouths just dropped right. open, including right. yours. And you'd already seen it yeah, a yeah. thousand I, times. Still, every time I watch it, but still, all of like, our mouths dropped me. open. And I think that there's this moment collectively for all of us of like, oh man, we're going to do whatever we need to do yeah. to make this exist yeah. in the best way possible. I was really confused and I'm curious your perspective, call because this now brings us to the post-production of the piece because the only way that I had ever known how to make one of these pieces is Colin and I lock ourselves in a room, 
live a very unhealthy life for a short period of time and muscle out something. Yeah. Where at the end we feel like dying. Like every doc style <laughs> piece we've made, we've left feeling like we've lost years of our lives, you know? And I think it's also because we've given ourselves very short windows. We're definitely not experts in, in a lot of parts of the, the storytelling process. Um, and it's really hard to piece together a story, especially as, as a filmmaker or documentarian, like I know we're not, we, I know how much we didn't get. So then it makes it harder mm -hmm. to solve how you're going to tell a story. Like to cut these scenes together in a cohesive movie is hard because we didn't shoot interviews. We didn't shoot anything that would yeah. bridge any gaps. And we didn't want to use VO. And we didn't want to use voiceover. Because we, we thought stylistically it yeah. would take yeah, you out of the moment. very early decision. It yeah. would take you out of the moment. Yeah. But it, once you make that decision of, I'm not going to use VO to patch this story up, man, you better hope you have the shots that are going to speak right. for themselves. Right. So I think there is a lot of, I, I remember sitting with Colin and talking about it and you know, the only way we really knew how to make this was for primarily Colin to just sit in a room and figure it out. But the first thing that happened was you were, after you saw some of the clips, I'm curious to hear your perspective because you were very excited and you were just like, give me that drive. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I started watching through clips and Colin had already, he spent that first day back watching through and cutting selects for some stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was the end of that day or the beginning of the next day where I really like, I looked both of you in the eye yeah. and I said, I'm going to cut selects too. And I remember very vividly, Colin had a little bit of pushback yeah. on that. He said, okay, I don't, I really don't think we both need to cut selects for this. I think you should probably just pick up where I left off. Then I, I don't know but in my brain. I just like, I think I knew in that moment that it was, I was going to be the one to take this. Right. Or at least I believed that mm -hmm. I, that I, I knew I wanted to be the one to take this. Right. So I said pretty firmly, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to cut selects too. Mm -hmm. and, in, and I was like, fine, and you can cut your selects, but I'm also going to cut selects. This was a yeah. real like creative bicker moment. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and I mean, like it, it was, I was like, no, I'm going to cut them. And Colin was like, all right, what, like do whatever you want, man. Like, whatever, yeah, sure. you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I, that week was, I mean, you guys had so much going on that week. Yeah. And, I knew, and, the, and the next week and the week after that. was a really that, strange, I, I, difficult thing I to knew, realize like. Yeah. I knew immediately. You? Yeah. I, I knew immediately. Yeah. I'm curious here. Cause I knew immediately that we were not going to be able to cut it. Yeah. I, yeah. Just based on where we were in our lives and, and in our career and like how much we had signed up for. I was like, yeah, the amount of mental space this requires to make. We don't have it. We yeah. had, even during if we had that the time, time like, we didn't have the mental space. So many brand deliverables, yeah. speaking engagements, trips. Yeah. Like, it yeah, was really hard. Like, three or four times in the month of October alone. Every week. Yeah. October was insane. Every week we were gone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And realizing that there's actually, I don't even have enough time to do this. Yeah. And it was like, it was an experience of, like you're on the lacrosse team and you really want to play, mm -hmm. like you want to be on the field, even if you're going to do like, it's not about doing a worse job or a better job. It's just, you get to do your style of that mm -hmm. job to like yeah. explore the scenes and explore the footage. Cause that's just what lacrosse players do. That's what lacrosse <laughs> players now I'm shifting to filmmaking now. No, but it's like, you're going to play your style of game. Right? right. And like, no matter what it is, it's about 
being on the field. It's just fun to like take the shots and get that opportunity. And I was like, man, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And that's what I like to do. But I also, you know, after a little bit more time going by number one, seeing your work, it's just so good. But, um, also realizing I don't even know if I have the stamina to play the whole game in that sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I can't even imagine spending two months like you spent in all of those timelines. Mm-hmm. It's harder for me to imagine now, like being that, um, that like singular in a timeline for that much time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many moments that first week that I remember. I, I mean, like maybe that Wednesday we were in a morning meeting and we were sitting down and we were just going through the schedule. Like Marilyn was talking through all of the things that we had to do that week, specifically you had to do. And I really vividly remember talking about everything that you had on your plate, Colin, that week and looking at you and seeing your eyes mm-hmm. and seeing you realize that you were not going to be able to get back into the B stock. Yeah. And that was a really, I think a vivid moment for me of like, yeah, this is, it's about like, this is about mm-hmm. to be my game. And that was, and that was both exciting and scary yeah. because it was like, Oh, this isn't, this is not going to be what he expected. Yeah. And this is not going to be what I necessarily expected. And it was just a pretty wild moment of yeah. realization. I was, yeah, I was feeling it as like, you know, I, in this setting, I typically operate as a producer. Actually, that's just how I operate, right? Yeah. Like I'm there to make sure the thing gets done, communicate with all the external parties, you know, like that is, that is my, you know, role. And, and also to just like, think about the distribution of it, all the above. Um, and my first thought as that role was just the incredible challenge of, the dynamic between you guys mm. was my first thought of like, yeah. you know, my, I've Colin's been my creative partner for 10 years and I know how Colin works. And like, I know the process of him and I making one of these things together. I don't know that this process with you involved and also with your, your creativity and your perspective on things, how much at times it differs yeah. From ours. And how firmly. And how I firmly differ. you, yeah, it, it, it differs. And my biggest concern was the amount of time that was going to get put into those conversations of creative yeah. difference and also the potential for explosions <laughs> yeah. of creative differences, yeah. you know? And I was just like, oh man, because each of you, I think preference would be, let me just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. don't, don't come talk to me. Like, let me just do it. And that to me was like, whoa, how is this going to go? Yeah. I yeah. thought yeah. the opportunity for blow up was so high. Yeah. And uh, there was, we, we had breakfast a week or two later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had already been working on it a little bit. Colin had cut a scene. He was going to cut the beginning yeah. like the night before. And I was going to cut the very end of the piece. That was the first yeah. thing I edited was the first five, the end last, last five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah. And Colin cut the first five minutes in between running around and all of these other things. <laughs> and I really, I remember opening up your timeline and watching it and thinking to myself, oh man, this is, this is pretty rough J- because of how yeah. much you had to do. Oh yeah. And I felt yeah. it too. It and took like, me I, so long. I watched I, it. And, and instead of coming to you and talking to you about it, 
I, I just recut it. Like I recut the first five minutes and I just brought it to you. And I remember having a breakfast a week or two later and I said pretty firmly, I was like, what are we going to do about creative differences? Mm -hmm. Because uh, I don't know if we can pass a timeline back and forth. Yeah. And there was this, you know, you looked at me, Samir, and you were like, well, Colin's going to get final say. Yeah. And I was really worried. Mm -hmm. I was worried about the process. Yeah. But then to feel how it went over yeah. the next eight weeks, it really surprised me mm -hmm. because it, I think that I, I voiced then a week or two after that, like, here's what I think. I think I should be the editor and Colin, your, your voice comes in basically as the director of this film mm -hmm. and you sit in a chair next to me mm -hmm. and we do it together. And that's, that's what happened. Yeah. And, and for me personally, I thought it went so much better than, yeah, I, than I, I could I, have hoped. I totally agree. And I, I think, I think, um, I felt again, like a sense of purpose and self-worth and value in watching with you and identifying even small changes that I felt like would make things a lot better here mm -hmm. and there. Right? And it wasn't small. I mean, it, it could not have been done without you. It, it wasn't small. Like it was pivotal. No. Yeah. I felt that through the process that you and I were able to like spend really valuable time and fun time together, like yeah. solving problems. And I think the fact that you and I have spent so much time working on different types of episodes yeah. and solving storytelling problems allowed us to work well on this one. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first time where like there was roles. Yes. Which yeah. in, in something like this that I've ever been a part of. Cause like I've never actually not been deep in one of these timelines on yeah. one of these docs, which is crazy. At I'm, the beginning, I'm, I remember you like yeah. were so antsy yeah. to get into a timeline. Yeah. I'm also like used to just sitting and cutting scenes. And uh, you and I both watched it. tons of footage on the plane back. Mm -hmm. Like we both had our laptops yeah, yeah, yeah. open. Yeah. I mean, I even, I rewatched the Wim Hof Yes Theory movie and I was like, I've, I've, I personally cut a large part of this movie, yeah. like actually cut it. Uh, I felt that way about the NBC doc. I watched that yeah. recently and I, I look at it and I can't even believe. Dude, I can't believe you and I both. That just, you and I cut yeah, those scenes. Because now when I watch yeah. it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how yeah. we did that. But, but I remember it, sitting in our first like group edit session where I sat in as well and watching Chris make the moves was like the way you move or this is now getting like deep in, in the <laughs> editing world, but like watching you in a timeline, you're very uh, smooth, intuitive. You know, all the shortcuts, like mm -hmm. you, you actually can make the things happen in a way that like we have a thought, but then you make it happen in a way that's like the attention to detail. And I kept saying that to you, but like the attention yeah. to detail was so high yeah. Uh, and you're and, just smoother. Yeah. And just smoother We're and a like, lot rougher around the edges. You, you move yeah. through a timeline. We say this a lot, Colin, you, you move through a timeline like a weed whacker. Yeah. I mean, it's 100%. just it's a disaster. Yeah. And I move at a snail's pace. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. A couple yeah. of weeks ago, you guys were editing the Hasan Minaj <laughs> yeah. episode together and you two were both sitting side by side at a computer for two yeah. days. Yeah. Just yeah. so slowly mm -hmm. editing piece by piece. Yeah, I feel like I know, like I watch something and I have a thought, but like to implement that thought, the, the distance between thought and action for me is mm -hmm. like so wide. It, it's so such a big gap and it's so hard for me to yeah. do, but I have the thoughts and I feel like over the last eight weeks, I was saying this to Colin the other night when we were just talking, like how close we got through this project 
and how much we understand how to collaborate with each other now yes. is, it, it was imperative. Like uh, it yeah. really was. And I think that really it, first of all, it was a really beautiful maturation of, of our relationship as yeah. boss employee and also you, your ability as managers. Right. Because it took, I'm sure, a lot of bravery to say, all right, this is a new role for us mm -hmm. and we're going to let Chris sort of handle it yeah. more than we ever have let somebody handle it before. And I think that I, yeah. I want to acknowledge that. That yeah. took a lot of strength, I'm sure. Yeah, it was, it was really confusing. Yeah. Uh, but, but over time, the thing was, I think we needed the full eight weeks because what, what you see as the audience is like, you see this piece that took us eight weeks to make and there was storytelling that took us that long to, yeah. to put together. But it was also this internal challenge of creative roles that had to come together yeah. over eight weeks. Like the, the metamorphosis internally over eight weeks was high. You know, like it was, that was what was happening as yeah. well. So Chris got to be 100% in it for yeah. a lot of the time yeah. of the two months. But you and I, truly, I mean, we were having to travel places and yeah. memorize scripts for different talks and just yeah. things that were absolutely not that video. Yeah. Where like, yeah, I yeah. can't even think about that video because I have to be in front of people. I have to totally. do something totally different. Yeah. You know, totally. where it's like, We'd come back after five days away and be like, all right, Chris. <laughs> yeah, where are we what at? What's going on? Yeah, where what are we at? Got? Give me those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm curious from your perspective of like the actual substance of the movie or of the piece. Uh, now I'm calling it a movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. The Internally, the, we've just been the, calling it the beast piece for yeah, two months. Yeah. So whatever. The, the internet video. Um, like getting into the actual scenes of it and thinking about like what, what was interesting was all the discussions we had in those group edits. A lot of them like were validated through the comments of the video, Oh yeah, which was crazy to me Yeah, that in the first day, I mean, we have over 3000 comments on the video in, in the last 24 hours and I haven't read all of them, but I've, I was very plugged in after we, uh, after we put out the video yesterday, the amount of times I've like refreshed and looked at comments, uh, I had some time off my phone, but I was deep in, <laughs> I was deep in like reading reactions, yeah. you know, and like, I was heavily addicted. Yeah. Yesterday. Reading, reading reviews. Kind of scared me almost. <laughs> but there was such cool, there was such cool conversation about the, um, capture of a historic event, yeah. the humanization of, you know, someone that we're so familiar with on this platform. Uh, and also the interplay of like anxiety, tension and release. Yeah. And those three kind of points were just at the forefront for me when we were making the piece. Uh, so I'm curious when you first got into it and as you started cutting, like, what did you think this was about? Yeah. Like, why was it exciting to you to, to get, yeah, to, to that's, dedicate that's two months question. of your life into it? I mean, I, in the couple of months leading up to this event, I had been pretty open with you both about how I really wanted sort of a challenge. Like I, I was looking actively for something new on yeah. the channel other than, the our sh normal show episodes and specifically that I wanted to do something in documentary style. Like mm -hmm. we got moments in the Carl video moments in the, in the yep. van video, like these literally 10, 12, 20 second clips where I was like, Oh, this feels like a documentary. I want to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And I've never, I've never done documentary stuff. I've never edited a documentary at all. That's it's, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> to I think about it's, I've never yeah. done anything like this. And as soon as I saw some of the footage, I just knew like, okay, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity to just see what this means for myself. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. my opportunity to prove it to myself and to prove it to others that like, this is something that I would be good at. Um, and 
the the very first thing I cut, like I said, was the last five minutes of the piece. And I remember seeing that clip where Jimmy walks into the hallway, which is the very last shot of the entire video. He walks into the hallway and he sits down and he says, what'd you think? And then we cut to black. Yeah. And I remember thinking immediately when I saw that, oh, that's going to be the last shot. And there was this, this emotional poignancy that I just felt that I knew I wanted to try and translate mm. to the audience. That's I remember cool. thinking that was going to be a big swing when we had decided on the ending yeah, at the beginning. I remember that. Because it's very emotional with the music. Yeah. People are, some people are like, it's sad, it's this, yeah. wow, I cried. And I was just like, that's, to live up to that moment is going to be climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember pulling the, that piano track at the very end was the first music track that I pulled for the entire piece. And I remember cutting it and, and showing it to you, Colin, and you saying, I don't, I don't, I don't think that we can end with that song. Mike, I think it's yeah. too, it's too much. It needs to be more triumphant. My concern was, is that tone warranted by the end? Yeah. Does it feel deserved? Yeah. And I think it is, but that was my initial concern yeah. was like, oh man. All right. We yeah. better live up to that tone. Yeah. In the 35 minutes before the ending starts. Yeah. I it, remember watching it and thinking how complex it felt. Like him smiling, saying, what did you think? The tone of the music kind of being sad and nostalgic and, and thinking uh, about the level of complexity that we experienced that day and hoping that we would leave people just with the question in their mind. Yeah. And that's, that's why when I first watched it, I was like, damn, that's cool. Uh, I really like that. But I agree. There was some challenges of thinking like almost self-consciousness of, did yeah. we make something that warrants that? Yeah. And I remember talking about it after I showed it to you guys the first time, you both said, why, why are we starting? Like, why the ending? Why do we do the ending? Why are you working on the ending? Yeah. And I just remember saying like, if we know where we're going, where yeah. we're going with yep. this, if we know how it's going to end, it will allow us to push maybe further into the darkness mm -hmm. than we otherwise would have. Because it, it's, there's a lot of stress in the beginning. And I, I don't know if, if we didn't know that we were going to end on such a, a light and beautiful and interesting moment. I don't know if we would have allowed ourselves to push as deeply mm -hmm. into the stress. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the overall story editing came down to managing energy in the piece. Yes. And emotion yes. of like, you know, we can't have people screaming for too long without giving the audience a break. Yeah, it was a lot we of like have contrast of loud and silent, happy and sad, stress and relief. We can't have tension and stress the whole time or else that's what people are left with. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was about like creating that mix of, of what truly happened yeah. during that day, but making sure we were true to it and that it feels like that as you're watching it. So tangibly, one thing that I feel like we've always done and oftentimes we do even in our just any other, any video that we make is we, we write it out. And for this one specifically, I don't remember if this was a collective thing we did, if it was something you did. I mean, it was obviously on post-its up, like the scenes were on post-its. Yeah. Up. I mean, the, the very first thing that I did was I watched through all of the, every clip, right. every second of footage. And uh, I wrote post-its of every story beat from the night before, the morning of, the afternoon, and the night. And had them all taped up on the wall behind me as I edited. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, but so, something I remember, I don't know if it was something we just did conversationally, but we were talking about what was like up and down. Like what were 
kind of like mm. up points and down points yeah. or tension points and release points. Yeah. And like, for example, when Tommy Innit walks in, we all knew that was like release. Like it was kind of this fun moment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a resolution, right? Like uh, uh, the one comment that Katie had, my wife, was she was like, who was that Tommy guy and why didn't he show up again? Sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. and like that was... Uh, conscious decision. There was conversation about taking it out. Yep. There was conversation about that fact that that scene doesn't have a re resolution, but it was a release and a, yeah. and a gift for the yeah, community of say, YouTube. That's a gift for people who know yeah. Tommy in it. There's right. so much nuance to these decisions, but we have to like the, the, anyone who's making a long form piece, you have to like write it out and write out why that scene yeah. is in there. And that was something that I think you guys were much more aware of than I was in terms of bringing more levity than yeah. I otherwise would sure. have. You guys were very and insistent. And the inverse, And the yeah. inverse, because I think we err on the side of more levity yeah. rather than more tension yeah. or more yeah. darkness. And I, and I pushed of of keeping some of like some of the music choices I, yeah. I pushed for. But then I think specifically in the music, you guys were like, no, 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 we need something upbeat. We right. need to give the audience yeah, a yeah. gift here. We need to give them a moment to like just be excited and mm -hmm. live in it. And those were critical that I would not have seen. Right. Yeah, that was, it was really, really positive to have both perspectives. Cause I think at times because of how we operate in the industry and like who we are and the relationships we've built, we're so sometimes cautious and mm. to have someone who's not us who, where, where it means so much for us to make a cut we're saying something about someone who's a friend, who's a, who's a contemporary, who's a collaborator in the industry. We're also signaling to other creators how we would portray of them. Course. Like it is such a signal for us to make a cut that sometimes we err overly on the side of yeah. caution. Yeah. And I think you made cuts that we wouldn't make. Yeah. And then watching them, I was like, oh, but that says something. Yeah. And I'd always rather say something than yeah. say nothing. And, and that, sometimes if you're overly cautious, you say nothing. Yes. And and my name is not Colin, and my name is not Samir. Wait, who are you? My name's yeah. Chris, <laughs> and it's easier for me, obviously, right? To 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 do anything that even is a little bit risky, mm -hmm. and it makes sense that you guys need to bring in people who are right. not you. Of course, yeah, I I totally, and I think like the the thing that makes me most proud about this whole piece is just that I feel like it it's it speaks. Yeah. Like it speaks, it talks about this experience. It, it, yeah. it portrays something that no one's seen before. It's yeah. like, it shows the complexity of a human being experiencing something. Like yeah. we see these people in such different lights, but to see them in human settings. And I just, I also want to give a lot of credit to Reed and Jimmy yeah. for oh, man. Yeah. letting us be in those rooms and holding a camera up when they're arguing and I'm the only one in the, in the hallway with them and they don't turn to me and say, don't film this, you know, they're just in it and they're not acting like they are really having an argument and I'm the, I'm in there as well, holding a camera. And like, I think it takes a lot of guts to, to just say like, yeah, film. Yeah. And that's, that, okay. yeah, it speaks to their confidence in you as well. Right. And speaks to that relationship that you've spent so much time right. building too. Yeah. It's yeah. such an X factor in, in documenting anything. Yeah. It, like you, access is number one at the top of the list over gear, over ever, anything. Um, and that, those were moments where I was like, I'm so 
just grateful for however this happened, whatever decisions we made, however they feel, whatever it is that they allowed us to be in those rooms yeah. and that we, you know, got in those rooms and held cameras and yeah, that's that. Yeah. I just give them a lot of credit for, for being willing to, you have to, to get to a point where someone will let you film things that they would never want shown to the world ever. Right. right. Not saying like we have those things, mm -hmm. but you have to give people that yeah. level of trust yeah. of like whatever happens. Yeah. You guys roll and we'll deal with it after. Yeah. And that's yeah. a crazy thing to do. I can't imagine necessarily giving a camera crew full access to my entire life at all times. Like that, that's hard to do. And to, and then to be able to act as you would act. And I, I really think that that is a great power in this video specifically because it was not a whole camera crew. It was just you and Samir. And I think that that right. is something that is brand new. Yeah. I think that that is something when I was watching the footage, one of the first things that I thought about was the fact that like, I don't know if I've ever seen a documentary and it felt like a documentary. I don't know if I've ever seen a documentary where the filmmakers and directors and editors are also holding the cameras and speaking right. behind them. Right. You know, in Saturday night, the documentary that James Franco made about SNL, mm -hmm. he's speaking, but he's off to the side. Right. He's mm -hmm. not operating the camera. He's right, interviewing, right. but he's not holding the camera. Mm -hmm. And there is a great power that you two have. And I think that this generation of people on YouTube have that they are directors, editors, but they are also operators. Mm -hmm. They can operate the cameras too. We gave a talk at Google one time in New York years and years and years ago. The, I'm not a cameraman, I'm a creator. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. like, that was a big subject of it is mm. th them. What's the, the difference? The team at Google trying to understand what the term creator meant. Yeah, And this was early. Like it was the ads team trying to explain to advertisers what the difference was between like a creator and a TV company that was putting out content on YouTube. And the, the main line we wrote on a big slide was, I'm not a cameraman, I'm a creator. And the subsequent slides showed um, f footage and photos, screenshots of holding a camera and our arm coming through it. Mm. So you, you like the, P it was almost POV, right? Like, yeah there's not many settings where you have a relationship with the people who are holding the camera that like you're mentioning, that's not a real setting that exists in film. Yeah, the story is different because you know, who's holding the camera, yes. yeah. what yeah. they believe, how they live their life. Exactly. And those yeah. moments come through when you're speaking to Reed and Jimmy from behind the camera in the hallway, when you're speaking to Jimmy in the car, Colin, when you are, you are talking to employees in the restaurant and then you turn the camera on yourself and speak to it. Mm -hmm. It is, there's a power that comes in right. that, that has not really been seen before. I don't think. So one thing that I also want to mention little, little BTS here, we were editing all the way through, I mean, Sunday morning. I was editing Sunday. You, yeah. I was, you edited I, Sunday I did morning. a final pass Sunday yeah. morning hours before we put it out. Yeah, I, I picked up our hard drive that we had yeah. everything on <laughs> at 8 a.m. from Colin because I'd yeah. watched the night before and what we thought was hopefully our final export. And I, I had the list of like maybe 12 more notes that I was like, I just, I have to do these things. Right, yeah. And I picked it up at eight, went to a coffee shop, <laughs> edited for two and a half hours, yeah. dropped it back off at Colin's. And then we met at the office and, and, and re-exported it. Exported yep. it again, yeah. which yeah. is, which is yeah, I, I exported it at the coffee shop, washed yeah. it all the way through. Yeah. And then we had to re-export it one mm -hmm. more time. Uh, on Saturday though, 24 hours before release, maybe, maybe less, we cut out almost two minutes mm -hmm. of the piece, Yeah, <laughs> which was an aggressive, you know, move yeah, like all the, right the way up until the day before we were yeah. cutting for story, watching for pace and, 
there was questions uh, that maybe we'll leave unanswered, but a question that said, wait, did you guys even try a Beast Burger? All right, unanswered. All right. Unanswered question. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember sitting in that room watching the cut and, and it was in these final 10, eight minutes of the piece. Every time we'd watched it, we'd gone back and forth. Do we cut yeah. more? Do we cut more? Do we yeah, cut more? Yeah, yeah. And we decided not, not to. And I remember watching it that morning on Saturday with you guys and seeing both of you guys get a little bit antsy yeah, during we those last few antsy, minutes. Yeah. And I was like, shh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to push back a lot more, yeah. honestly, about I, that. I did too. We started, we paused it. We had, like it ended and we started talking about it. And my initial reaction was like, no, we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to cut. And then I just had this moment of like, no, they're just, that's me being stubborn. That's me yeah. not wanting to do it because yeah. I just don't want to. Right. It's the right decision. You guys were right. You, you as directors were correct there. Mm. And I had to, that right. was a real moment of like, no, 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 no. These roles are set the way they're set because right. that's how it should be. And they're correct. And I need to heed mm. here. I need to hear mm. what they're saying and just accept it because it, it was the right decision, of course. Yeah, what's interesting is like there's no right and wrong in creativity, which is what makes it really challenging. Yeah. It's all yeah. subjective. Yeah. And like there's a cut, there's a completely different cut of this piece that a group of people really like. There's a cut of the piece that we put out that there's a large group of people who probably are like, I don't like that. That's not, uh, that's not good filmmaking. And that's all like, there's parts of it that are objective, but so much of it that's subjective, which makes these roles really challenging. But I think the thing that I would say that you know, Colin and I have in this setting is just the exposure over long periods of time to storytelling. Yeah. You know, it's just, the, it's, that's yeah. the difference. It's just the age and the, the, the reps we've put in. Yeah. It's just, we have a certain feel for something, whether it's right or wrong, that's just consistent with the feel of things that we've done in the past that how audiences have reacted to things like that's, that's it, you yeah. know? And that was, uh, there was a lot of moments in this piece where um, the term kill your darlings was way easier because our hands weren't on the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Because when your hands are on the timeline and you spend time whittling this, you know, wood into a beautiful scene and then someone says, cut that out. Yeah. That feels insane. Yeah. And that's yeah. why I think a, a lot of times when we've edited things, we've kept them long because we're like, that was fun to make. It took me. I'm so connected. I'm to so that connected scene, yeah. to the scene that I I got to keep it in. Yeah. I didn't. I, when I watched, I was watching as an audience member. Yeah. The only thing I had to check myself on is is the scene slow because I've watched it so many times yeah. and I know yeah, what's going to happen, or is the scene slow because the scene is slow? And I think that and that's what we had to have like an yeah. internal gut check on. And, and really, there's just a level I think of trust that you that comes in yourself and like mm -hmm. I think good editing is really it's about noticing everything that you're feeling as you're watching. And it's about noticing, oh, oh, it's, a, it's I feel bored. Oh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm distracted. Yeah. Oh, I, it comes a little bit too early. And it's just about like, mm -hmm. you got to be really in tune mm -hmm. with yourself and how you're feeling as you're watching it. And you just trust yourself. Yeah. And the amount of times we've watched this piece. So many. I, I, I remember exporting that morning at the coffee shop, Sunday morning. Yeah. I mean, and honestly I, though, sorry, keep yeah. going. No, I, I watched the whole thing mm -hmm. and I, I, exported and I sent you guys a message on Slack. I said, I'm, I just exported. I just finished watching it all the way through. I'm never watching this again. 
And then we had to re-export <laughs> and, and you yeah. two had to re-watch the entire thing just to make yeah. sure there weren't any glitches and yeah. I couldn't stand in the room. Right. I like, yeah. I, it, it, it was finished for me. It, I, mean, I had yeah. checked out. I don't out. know if this is insane, but I watched it last night before what? I went to bed and I watched it before I went into work. I was going to say, like what? I watched it last night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, I, I have this real, <laughs> oh my gosh. I have this real interesting relationship with, with our work that when we're in it, and working on it, I can connect to that. It's something that we're making, but when it's out and people react to it, I almost get confused. Like, did we really do that? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, it's almost I like, like to watch it from a, try and watch it from a different perspective yeah. of because how, how are other people like yeah. art, art it. and, and creativity exists completely differently when it's private and inside than when it's public. Yeah. And when it's that public, like I, I had breakfast with uh, my uncle who's visiting and, you know, one of my cousins was asking me about this piece because he watches YouTube and stuff. And he's like, how many people have watched it? And I was like, oh, like, I think like five, between five and 600,000. Like to live in a world with that much exposure of yeah. your work is yeah. insane. In less and that's than 24 less than 24 hours. hours. Yeah. Like it's nuts. It's absolutely insane. And my cousin said this morning, he said, even if you gathered a hundred people to look at something you made, it would be crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, yeah. I think like it is such a different experience to recognize that we live in this world where we can put out creative work and it will go out to that many people. Yeah. It's, it's, you can't, you can't wrap your head around what that means that 600,000 people have watched this. Yeah. What does that mean? I can't, I really can't understand that. But the thing that gets me going like really excited is that a, this is the type of work that as a young creative that made me want to pick up a camera. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the thing that gets me Same. excited. Or I, like, I love that. Like we went on out there on a whim. We yeah. filmed it ourselves the best that we possibly could. Like yeah. collectively we got together all here and we made the best story we could. Yeah. We, uploaded it and yeah. press publish ourselves. Yeah. And it was just, like, we're the ones who got to decide when this thing came out, yeah. how it came out. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. The one thing I will say that's commented on a lot that I would say, Chris, you have such a unique skill set for is music selection. Yeah. Thank you. Like that <laughs> is, you have such a unique skill set for selecting music and understanding tones of scenes because mm -hmm. music and audio is 50% of filmmaking. Yeah. I would say yeah. it's a 50, 50 partnership between what you're hearing and what you're seeing. Yeah. And Obviously, like what you're hearing has dialogue, but when you, you could change all those songs and this piece is completely different, yeah. but you have a very unique skill set for that. And that was when I first saw like the elevator walkout scene with that song that you picked, I turned to Colin. I said, I don't even know how Chris finds this stuff or how you know that that's the thing that should be in there. Yeah. But that's like so many people timestamp the moment where Jimmy walks out the door and the synth kind of plays and it's this like crazy emotion, like Every time I watch it, my mouth opens and I get chills. And that decision-making on music is so important because it dictates how you feel. Yeah. It mm -hmm. fully dictates like what you're supposed to be. It's, it's our best effort of communicating to the audience what our intention was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes you want to communicate that intention and sometimes you don't want to communicate the intention yeah. so that they can pull it themselves. I think what's interesting here is that like, for, for music, for me, music and media, I've always 
skewed towards the more sentimental. Yeah. And that's like we were saying of you guys had to really push to put in more of the like excited and upbeat and happy because all of the first tracks that I pulled were those piano pieces at the end, the yep. synth at the beginning, the yep. bass stuff, all of this like sort of low do 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 do, you know. And I, you know, my background is in is in theater. Yeah, that's what I grew up doing. I'm, I have a very musical family. Like music has always been a huge part of my life. But I, I there was a a moment through this process after you you know we talked about the music a bunch of times and you said how much it meant and how much it spoke. And I remembered, I I think the first time I remember crying at a piece of like art that Mm. somebody had made was listening to the score of Finding Nemo (laughs) and listening to the track called Wow Wow from Finding Nemo composed by Thomas Newman. And there was this really beautiful moment for me of like that song. I remember thinking in that moment when I was like, eight maybe thinking I want to make things that make people feel this way. Mm -hmm. And I think that this was really truly the first opportunity I'd ever gotten to showcase that skill to other people. And then to have the validation of people, we've gotten a lot of comments Mm -hmm. of people saying I cried at the end of this Mm -hmm. video. And that was just, it's really exciting to me. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't. There's, Your life goal is to make people cry. That's my life. That <laughs> yeah, is truly yeah, my yeah, life yeah. goal. If you meet Chris, cry. Just yeah. cry. Yeah, and it's cry. either going to be out of mean comments <laughs> yeah. or, you know, yeah. editing. I really loved how many comments there were about the editing and storytelling and music selection of the piece. Like that, that's the stuff that gets me really excited that people can watch it from both lenses, from a lens of like the portrayal of Jimmy and commenting on like what this guy's life is like and what he's built and like how much he cares about this stuff uh, and the, the filmmaking and storytelling yeah. to go to the Jimmy side of it, living this and why I got so passionate about it is very much because I was watching someone who built something themselves and who has not stopped caring. If anything has, has increased the amount of care he has to the brand and his, his fans experience and the whole thing when really when you get that big, you have all the resources to just get people to do it for you, mm-hmm. you know? But he, like the photo line problem is really interesting because what Reed says in that is true. There was no promise of getting a photo with Jimmy. But when he realized that what he said was that he was going to be behind the register was not possible, he committed himself to taking photos with yeah. everyone, saying, I'm going to yeah. do some version of it. And Jimmy, and Jimmy, there's an interesting scene that we cut out where they're Reed and Jimmy are talking in the hallway and Reed says, you don't need to do this. Celebrities, the expectation is not celebrities taking photos with everybody's and Jimmy's sitting on the floor and he turns to Reed and he goes, most celebrities suck. Yeah. And, (laughs) and it just shows the difference in mindset uh, from Jimmy to others. And also I think broad, more broadly from creators to the traditional celebrity. Well, cause I, I know this, this, this is really, yeah, I, this is the thing that I think is the biggest difference is like we have built this channel ourselves. Mm-hmm. Celebrities, a lot of times, a lot of celebrities, they they built their career themselves, but the distribution mechanism that gets them out there yeah, or even the creative mechanism that gets them out there. Yeah. When I worked in Hollywood, 
on, on Ides of March, we would get these dailies every day, which was all the scenes. And the thing that floored me was Ryan Gosling was in the movie and we were watching some of his scenes and they had him say a line in every possible way, every emotional tone, every, you know, pronunciation, enunciation. And then we in the room of editors chose the one that fit best with the film. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, yeah. that the director was directing him in, in different ways to do it. And he's talented enough to do it in all of those different ways, but it's not his selection of how that character comes together. That's the editor's selection yeah. and the director's selection yeah. of how the character develops. So I think creators, like we are fully in control of all those factors. And that I think makes our relationship with the work completely different. Because a lot of actors don't even see the cut of the movie until either it's out or like a yeah. close screening to the end. Yeah. They have no idea what was selected to make their character their character. So I think that's the primary difference. Like when you get into a room of fans, you're like, you're a fan of me because I did something. But I then, did this. But then a yeah. bunch of other people made decisions to make me look the yeah. way that made you a fan of me. Yeah. So I didn't have... My hand was not in the whole yeah, process. But of Jimmy walks it. into a room yeah. and he says, I did this. I did it all. Yeah. Like the reason I stand up on this balcony and you guys are, are here is because of decisions I made in my yeah. bedroom. Yeah. By myself. Yeah, and that's, and that's your guys's final line of yeah. the entire piece is you say, I can't believe all of this was started with a kid in his bedroom. And that's the last yeah. thing that you say. And I think it's just really reflective of how crazy it is. I think for me, it's because I started in mm -hmm. my bedroom. Like my first YouTube upload Same. was, was through, was in my bedroom yeah, in my parents' too. house. And the dream when you lay, when I laid down in that bed, like sometimes I get very emotional about this career because like I would lay down in bed as a kid and want to be in the entertainment business. I wanted to make stuff that, that said something that people yeah. enjoyed, that people cried because of that people, you know, like that was the thing that I wanted to do. And that dream was crafted in the innocence of a bedroom. Mm. And then it materializes in these crazy ways. And you, you come back and you're like, oh my God, I have the power to make that happen just in my bedroom. Like I can just, I can do it. Yeah. I, I don't know. That to me yeah. is like one of the craziest emotions to experience and to witness how the scale in which Jimmy did it. What's cool is that's his dream that he's living. Yeah. It's not mine yeah. when I watch him do it. It's not mine. Mine is to do what we did, you know, and right. put out a piece that, that tells this story. Yeah. But he's doing his dream. I don't know. That to me is like the, the coolest thing. I think what's special to me is that the things that we make, I guess, like in your innocence, live in the same place as, right. as the stuff you get to make now. I, I love reading some of the comments who, from people who have watched us since the beginning and go, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. Like this is right. Yeah. Cause they can only understand that if they've been watching our early stuff and our stuff that, you know, maybe 5,000 people watched maybe. Right. It's like, yeah. that's where the connection is different that you're surrounded by people who have context for who you are. It's similar to like, whenever I see my high school friends, it's so comfortable because they know exactly where I came from and we're so comfortable together. Yeah. Even if a lot of time has passed and I kind of <laughs> feel similarly to that with a YouTube audience versus someone putting out like a standalone piece on Netflix or in a movie theater. Yeah. It's like you're releasing it to a room of people who have context on you. Yeah. So yeah. you're comfortable. Totally. There were so many comments about people like tracking along since 2017. Yeah. 
you know, and being excited that this came out, which was really, really cool. Uh, yeah. there, I have a question for you guys of, of, you know, Jimmy has his dream standing in front of those people in the mall. Yeah. You have your dream of documenting it. Mm-hmm. And, and now what does it feel like to you having made this piece that is really, I think, the start of something new yeah. for you guys? What does it feel now looking forward to, do you want, like, how do you feel? Do you want to do it again? Do you yeah. want to go back? Like sure. what? I think identity wise, this piece is the closest thing I feel to like the identity of what Colin and I have tried to do for a long time. Like we, but I think what we learned in this process is the support we need to unlock it. Mm. You know, I think we, we've always tried to solve how this was going to happen. And even us going out there, you know, my thought, because it was so different, my hope was that something like this would be made. You know, that was my intention was that we're going there to launch our, or to, to reintroduce ourselves to this community and industry as filmmakers. Yeah. Because when we started, we introduced ourselves as filmmakers. We didn't have much to say or didn't know how to say things or, you know, tried to figure that out. We became podcasters. And then throughout this process, I think both of us have always felt like when's, when's going to be the time to reintroduce ourselves. Yeah. I definitely had, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder of like, do people not know that I film things? <laughs> yeah. Like that that's right. something that I do. That yeah. Like I film things, I edit things. I don't know. I had, I, I always had a strange relationship with the podcaster identity yeah. of someone who just sits down and talks. It right. didn't feel fully representative of me. I think that's heavily, you know, ushered in by me. Cause I, yeah, yeah. I am, a massive fan of podcasting and of talking. So yeah, I, I <laughs> Mr. Enjoy, podcast over here. I enjoyed it. I enjoy just sharing. I don't not enjoy yeah. it, but I don't enjoy it as much as right. you. And I see it as uh, it's, it, it's more of a means to an end for me. Sure. Yeah. Whereas it is the end yes. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, take it easy. Not the man. end, but yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? This is the end. No, no, no but it is yeah. like, Samir, we have no, no, to tell I, you. If this, if, if my career shaped in a way where I was a podcaster for the rest of my career, I'm happy. Yeah. And I want it to be, I like that it's like a tool in our toolkit Yeah, where it's, we get to express ourselves that way. And when I end a podcast and feel like I was the truest representation of myself, I'm happy Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. But I don't put a lot of weight. Like if we have a podcast episode that's really well received, like the read episode or even Hassan or something like I have a hard time attaching that to my yeah, identity sure. and my sure, self-worth. Sure. Yeah. I'm like, you know, yeah, we, yeah, we sat in a, con- yeah, we had a conversation for me. The and I know there's so much more that goes but, into but the that. self-worth comes from you and I not only sat and had that conversation, we sat for hours and curated the conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like we edited the conversation. Yeah, and, and there's research and yeah, yeah, yeah there's a lot that goes like, into how we cut it. What, what the, the, there's like the reason I was so into music as a kid, uh, when I went to see John Mayer one time, he said, um, you know, my hope in writing songs is that one person listens to it and goes, damn, I didn't know anyone else felt like that too. You know, like yeah, wow. that, that feeling of like, damn, I can't believe he articulated a feeling that yeah. I have in a song. Yeah. And that's how I feel with a lot of music and also how I feel with a lot of film. And for me, this piece is one of those moments where it's like, I don't know, it was articulate. It was like articulation of thoughts that we have through the portrayal of an event. Yeah. And that's like, that's so exciting to me. I want to share a quote that I actually wrote down from John Mayer this yeah. morning. I was yeah. watching a video of his uh, documentary style video and he said, you know, he's talking about his career evolving and him doing new projects. And he said, I'm not really happy until people feel like they haven't seen the full reveal. 
I always want people to feel like they haven't seen the full mm. reveal. And he's talking about the full reveal of who he is as an artist. Wow. Right. And wow. I kind of feel that way too, that like an element of putting out this piece was about showing like, oh, people, people haven't seen everything yeah. about us yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I get excited about is like pushing forward on that sure. of like, oh, I didn't know Colin and Samir could do something like that. Mm -hmm. What's the next thing where people will go, oh, I didn't really know they could do that. Yeah. Right. That's what's fun. That is really fun. That's cool. But I also, I also would say that so much of this was about the time it took to make, which was an anxiety point for me that I expressed as well. It was like, yeah, my anxiety there was, was too much like, time between. There's two, there was two months between when we went and when we put it out. And I was like, is anyone going to care? Yeah. You know, like, has this event just come and gone? And like, is everyone just going to look at this and be like, that was old news, guys. Why did you make that? Um, and I think that's like the YouTube timeline, you know, because in YouTube, Timeline, Rohan, one of the producers uh, at Mr. Beast who, you know, featured, is also in, the video. featured in the video and trips. shout out to yeah, yeah. the Rohan trip, the Rohan trip uh, that no one timestamped, but we should hop in and timestamp. But he texted us last night about it. And he was like, that feels like five years ago, that, that event, you know, and he was like, so much happens here at, at Mr. Beast. And you think about even how much Jimmy has done since that is crazy. Uh, and it does feel like years ago, you know, in some senses, but the time it took to make it, I said to you guys this morning, like, I think a large part of a dream for me is to make a few pieces like this in a year yeah. and get to sink into them. And like, actually though, like remove some of the other ancillary things that we do. Uh, I'd lo I love keeping up with an audience through a podcast and sharing, you know, kind of weekly observations and experiences, but to sink into like one story for two months is such a fun experience. Yeah, and it, I think it is always going to breed more impact. It's going to you're you're packing your gloves for 2 months totally. with sand. And then and then you punch. Oh, that was good. Uh, I, I didn't know, know where you were going, going with that. that. Yeah. I was like, "What kind of gloves are you You're packing, packing? your boxing gloves." I got it. For yeah, 2 months. That's and cool. then, and then finally you hit. And that's it, cool. it is hard. Yeah. It's a hard hit. I remember Red and Link in a podcast. It was their podcast about who they were jealous of. Yeah, yeah. And and they were talking about how one of the people they're jealous of is Bo Burnham because the way that their business operates is that they're constantly on camera. They're, they're really so many videos, so yeah. many podcasts, so many things that all of their little thoughts that they have every day are expressed mm -hmm. as they come and as they go every yeah. day. Yeah. Whereas someone like Bo, all of those little thoughts get filtered and condensed and packed totally. into one singular piece. Agreed. And Colin, can you read the quote that you wrote down this uh -oh. morning? Oh, I've got it that, ready. That you uh -oh. told us Quotes. in the office this morning. So I actually, I also posted this on LinkedIn. Hello. Today. Hello. Hello. LinkedIn partner? Yeah. Uh, okay, this is from Rick Rubin. It says, there is a connection between the artist being patient and the art being good. Yeah. I mean, Casey said something yeah. uh, on Rich Roll's he podcast. He said something about, about how like the most undervalued aspect yeah. of succeeding in the world of media today is patience. Is patience. Yeah. And I think that that is something that you too have a very unique perspective on yeah. because it, it took a long time for long you enough. guys. To, yeah. <laughs> it took a long time for you guys to, yeah. to find success, to find your mm -hmm. footing, to hit a million. It took yeah. famously 10 years on the platform for you too. And we started in lacrosse, Chris. And YouTube <laughs> yeah. is a library. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, it's totally. a perspective that yeah. you guys have that's, mm -hmm. I think, unique in, in the realm that you work in. You have always punched above your weight class in terms right. of I you are working with 
people yeah. much larger than right, yourself. Right, right. Staturally, yeah. Yeah. you're short. And so there's... <laughs> Damn it, Chris. No one on the, no one who's just an uh, audio listener knows how tall I am. So in their mind, I'm probably 6'5". And I think that that is a gift that you too yeah. hold, that you have... You, you know what it's like to wait. And sure. so then you can have a little bit yeah. more patience. I think the only, but like, it's not even a conscious decision. Someone was asking me about this. It's just like, there's nothing else I'd rather do. Yeah. So I don't think it, I'm yeah, waiting. Like I'm not wait. I'm not consciously being patient. I'm just, this is the only thing I want to do. Yeah. So uh, people ask all the time about like, you know, those years. And I, I give advice to creators who are like, like someone asked a, a question recently. It was like, how long should a creator expect uh, from when they first start to when they make it. And I was like, that is an absurd question. That There is no answer to that yeah. question. It's actually just, you. if you actually want to do it, it will happen. I can't tell you when, but you will be a creator if you actually want to be a creator. That might mean you make money from other places. Yeah, completely. It, it might mean also anything. It's like, what does it mean to be a creator yeah. and what does it mean to make it? You yeah. have to answer those questions. It's just, if you're just actually committed to doing it, you're just going to do it. Because you can't do anything else. Yeah. Like even this piece, if this took us another month, like every time we watched it, I was like deeply invested in it and I wanted to put it out. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't, there was no other option. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is, you know, as I look future facing, the hurdle that we have as creators and as this, this brand and, and a collective of now creatives is how to be, how to, exp the thing that I feel like is the biggest hurdle is how to be like an artist and commercially viable at the same time. Um, where, you know, there's, there is like, you look at no what Noel Miller said on our show. He was like, every time I find something that works on YouTube, I sabotage myself. <laughs> and I think he's like, he's a, a savant in my opinion. He's like a creative genius, but he's someone who, you know, contrary to, I think Cody, who can find a format, lean into it and be a consistent person. Uh, Noel, I, I connected when, with when he said that, where like so many times I feel like we found something and we're like, oh, if we do this format for the next five years, it's going to lead us in a really great place. But then you're like, but I also want to do all Couldn't kinds of formats. And you yeah. and I both are not consistent yeah. people. I mean, Even I, if you I, watch every episode we've made, there's something creatively different about it. It doesn't, it, we have a very hard time following a format because we get excited about totally different things every episode we make. So even though the base premise of even what the, the YouTube channel feels like is somewhat similar, even you look at the next couple uploads, they're different. They're all, they're different. all different. Like the, the, if you look at this from an outsider's perspective, who's advising us, it's like figure out how to do the talk show every Monday. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. You know, figure out how to do the talk show every Monday, build a community of people who love the talk show. Don't upload anything else on this channel. Yeah. Do the talk show. And this is a nearly constant conversation. Yeah, yeah I can't tell if it's supposed to stress me out or if I should let it go. <laughs> right. That we do something different every time. I really can't. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Don't, I don't know how to navigate it because I've thought, spent know. so much time thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, there, for me, I've at times just kind of, you have to accept who you are mm. as a creative, mm -hmm. you know, just like that's who I am. Um, and I think the audience also learns to accept you as a creative, but yeah. It does stress me out that like you can get a podcast if you yeah. come to our channel, you can get a studio tour. Yeah, but you guys seem yeah. to be making it work. <laughs> We're figuring it out. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think it's it's more of the internal battle of, of a course. of a creator than it is the external of course. You know. And it gets harder for all the it, team. It gets harder for yeah, everyone if yeah. the more inconsistent you are. But 
after making this piece, just looking forward, I'm like, what are we going to do next? You know, and, and what's fun about that and, and challenging at the same time is you're doing a ton of things for the first time. Like the, even the next time we do this, we'll have more knowledge, but it'll be a totally different challenge. Yeah. It's always a mountain uh, to yeah. climb, you know? Yeah. It's always a mountain to climb, but that's like- Before I went to bed last night, I was thinking about whatever the next project was. Right. And I said to myself, you know, we didn't really contextualize to the camera as much as we wanted to in the Beast yeah. one. So I yeah. hope we don't over contextualize the next time we do yeah, this. I and remember, then we're just yeah. sitting with so much <laughs> vlog footage, but yeah. we didn't actually capture what was interesting. Yeah, Saturday morning when we were editing, we said, set it to export and then you and me were just walking around uh, outside our office. And you asked me- what do you think the top pinned comment is going to, or the top comment is going to be on the video tomorrow? I said, I don't know. And then the next day, yesterday, yeah. when we were exporting the final and uploading the final, we took the same walk around the block and you said, man, I wonder what the next project is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, that was after it was already out. You're right. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right after yeah, we yeah, published it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and it was immediately what's, what's the next one. And yeah. that's just shows the mindset. What is the top comment you guys know? It's, it changes. I think it's, oh, I got it's, it's, it's power bang now. It says, this was incredible. Jimmy is a special person, man. So much respect. Nice. Well, cool. Well, what else, guys? What is the next one? Okay, we don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, you got to let it come to you. You'll find, yeah. You got to let it come to you. There's a great quote um, in Atomic Habits, uh, which is a book that I read. I listened to it, but yes, you all yes, know yeah, I read yeah, it. Yeah, I read it. Yeah, yeah. I could. I, Call back to the I retained last, it. Yeah, um, episode. But he talked about this desire to write a book, and the advice he got was, "Well, first you have to live the book." Mm. And I really liked that uh, that note around like we had this desire to be documentarians, yeah, and and filmmakers, oh. but we didn't. We weren't yeah. experiencing things that were worth. Documenting. I really, really yeah. deeply resonate with the desire yeah. to. <laughs> have written a book. Yeah. The desire to have made a movie, the desire to whatever Mm -hmm. versus, but Austin Kleon talks a lot about like, you cannot, you have to ignore the desire to have done something and, and embrace the desire to do something. Totally. You have to embrace the desire to make a movie, to write. It's the action. Mm-hmm. And not just the, well, I would like to be a person who has written a book. Right. That sounds yeah. nice. Right. I mean, the high of releasing this piece is going to last for, I mean, we're still in it right now, but I don't know. We got to go back to work right after this. We are yeah. work on totally different panicking stuff. panicking about how many videos we have to work on in the next yeah. four so, weeks. So, I mean, yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is the smallest part of the experience. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's about the process. Yeah. How, as cliche as that sounds, I don't think that it that's is. something yeah. that I really fully realized until the last two months. But it's also about refreshing the page and getting the dopamine hits of seeing the one out of 10 100%. over and over I mean, and over Give me that confetti. Seeing, seeing the confetti all day and, long. and every few minutes refreshing and seeing how many more views it has. <laughs> this morning, Samir said, man, we are going to really have to reset our expectations of what the one out of 10 is yeah, for the next 10 yeah. videos. The two out of 10 is the new one out yeah, of 10. Yeah, two out of 10 is the new one out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has watched the piece, has commented on it. Uh, and also... For all the pod squad members that showed up. I don't know if you guys looked through the comments. I saw some pod yeah, I saw some a lot of pod squad in there. And I just want to say all you listeners, that was really sweet. And I do feel this like really intimate connection with all of you guys who have been hearing about this project for a long time and finally got to watch it and showed up for us. Uh, that meant a lot. Um, also, Chris is not only a video editor, he makes cool art on Instagram. <laughs> Follow him at Schwar. That's two A's. S-C-H-W-A-A-R. One S, one C, one H, and one R, but two A's. 
All right, Colin, any closing thoughts? Um, I was scrolling Instagram. I'm sorry. Son right, of a he's gun. out. All right. Yeah. Colin's done All with right. this so That means the retention yeah, is retention low I've dropped right off. Now. Don't yeah. count me in this <laughs> uh, retention graph. All right, see ya.